From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, taxi cab, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. It's so wonderful to be here with you once again. A special hello to all of you listening in on one of our growing roster of affiliates, uh, those streaming us on the Conspiracy Show app, also a free download. And, uh, of course, the podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, iTunes, and TalkZone.com. However, and wherever you're listening, I welcome you to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us once again for the full hour uh, tonight. Uh, Last week, we had a caller. We were doing open lines. And right near the end of the program, I believe it was Bill. Was it Bill Albert? Do you remember? I think it was a guy named Bill who called in. And... Uh, he was having a problem with a clown doll uh, that his wife had inherited, I gather, from a friend or relative who'd passed away. So the, re- the, the clown doll had recently come into the home, and his wife refused to part with the clown doll. Uh, but this thing was giving the caller the creeps, to say the least. And I can understand. A lot of people have... A strange, some might even call it an irrational fear of clowns, and then... I mean, all clowns, you know, the kind that you see in circuses and so forth, or twisting uh, balloons into animals at uh, children's parties. Others are creeped out uh, by dolls. Uh, So now when you're talking clown dolls, it's double the trouble. So I told the caller that I would mention uh, this or discuss this, his clown doll problem, his clown doll dilemma, if you will, uh, to Rosemary Ellen Guiley tonight. Um, Before we get to that, I want to mention... Next week on the program, remote viewer, clairvoyant, medical intuitive, and healer, uh, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell will be here with his predictions for 2016. And also past life regression therapist, uh, Dr. Elena Gabor, uh, will also be here. That's next week on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, speaking of the year ahead, 2016, uh, I don't know about you, but for me uh, and mine... It's gotten off to a bit of a rocky start, uh, and I'm not going to bore you with uh, details. Let's be honest. Everyone has uh, problems. Uh, we've had our share, uh, but we start talking with, with friends and, um, uh, and others, and we're finding out so many people uh, are ill or losing their jobs uh, or they're unemployed, underemployed, having some other financial problems, just... Everyone seems to be under a great deal of pressure, on edge. Uh, And I don't know whether you call it a string of bad luck. Um, Some people call it the evil eye, a curse perhaps. So I thought we we could get into that as well uh, with Rosemary. And if if you feel like maybe you could be living under a curse or under the evil eye, And those whose ancestors come from the Mediterranean region, those cultures in the Mediterranean, subscribe to the idea of the evil eye. Uh, We can talk about that as well. Also, we'll talk about haunted objects because, and there is kind of a connection, sometimes what we think of as a string of bad luck or a curse might be related to a haunted or possessed object that's recently been brought into the home. You go to the uh, the flea market, you bring back a, an antique bonnet chest or some costume jewelry, and you don't realize, but you've brought something into the house and something has hitched a ride on that particular object. 
like our caller last week with the clown doll. So we'll get into all of that over the next uh, 45, 50 minutes. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is one of the leading experts on the paranormal with more than 60 books. That's six zero, sixty books published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is translated into 15 languages. She's worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983, researching, investigating, writing, and presenting and teaching. Her present work focuses on interdimensional entity contact experiences of all kinds, technological and mediumistic spirit communication, spiritual growth and development, problem hauntings, and portals, or geographic areas of intense paranormal activity. Rosemary, how are you? Hi, Richard. I'm doing well, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. And you you get in just under the wire because today's the cutoff. After this, you can't say that anymore. (laughs) Can't say it anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you've written about possessed furniture furniture and jewelry and things in, in Haunted by the Things You Love. Uh, that was with John Zaffis, correct? Yes. And this has been uh, an area of investigation for me for quite some time because uh, many hauntings that people call uh, paranormal investigators about wind up being related to an object that seems to have a spirit attachment to it. Right. We should mention John Zaffis was the host of The Haunted Collector. That was on the Sci-Fi Channel, I believe. Yes, and it it ran for three seasons, and uh, John has had uh, years and years of experience with haunted objects. In fact, he has uh, a private museum that has thousands of objects in it that he has collected over the past several decades. And the two of you, uh, can I say, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school, are you not working on another one? Can we talk we about are, that? yes. Okay. Uh, we're doing another book on haunted objects, and this one is going to focus on cases that have a more sinister twist to it, you know, a very demonic twist uh, where people have more intense problems. Uh, a lot of haunted objects will cause a lot of mischief, you know, the spirits attached, a lot of mischief, still very unpleasant, but much easier to deal with than something that has uh, a really malevolent being riding along with it. Uh, A colleague of mine, I won't mention names because he told me not to, but a colleague of mine in the business, um, oh, I guess back in the fall, I think it was, uh, purchased some chairs. They were antique chairs. He brought them into the house, and then uh, within days, he started seeing shadow people and he had never even heard of shadow people until he heard you and i discussing it on the air and i said i bet you it's those chairs and he took them out into the i guess into the back he's got a garage or something in the back and he put a tarpaulin over them and um uh the problem seemed to 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 go away uh but it's not always sort of a manifestation uh associated with the object it could just be um like a heavy feeling or uh what might be interpreted as a string of bad luck, ill health, losing a job. Is that right? Yes, there's quite a range of symptoms that go along with haunted objects, and the most common is a sudden change in the atmosphere of a home where, just as you said, the air kind of just feels heavy. There's an oppressed feeling, an ominous feeling. People might feel watched by unseen presences. There may be uh, poltergeist disturbances, odd noises that they hadn't heard before, um, objects suddenly being misplaced in very peculiar ways. And uh, depending upon um, what, whatever is attached to the object, shadow people uh, are also common, dark forms seen flitting around. And then uh, in some of the worst cases, people are personally affected. They begin having nightmares. 
Um, they feel uh, cold sensations throughout the house. Um, they start to worry a lot, feel very uh, anxious all the time, even depressed. They might have runs of bad luck, even accidents. And uh, things can go downhill. And uh, give us a, I mean, what are some of the more common objects? It's not, I'm thinking, something that is necessarily um, an auspicious, not auspicious, that's not what I'm, the word I'm looking for. Um, it's not necessarily an obvious thing like a, like a large piece of furniture. It could be something quite small, correct? Absolutely, Richard. In fact, anything can have a spirit attachment to it. And uh, in Haunted by the Things You Love, we have a representative sample of things. We wanted to show like the variety of objects, uh, jewelry, clothing items, uh, even religious items. We have religious statues uh, and holy books that have come with uh, very pesky spirits, uh, mirrors, um, uh, books, paintings, sculptures, uh, knickknacks, you name it, um, it, anything has the potential uh, for a spirit to attach to it. And the most common of all is, and, and your friend's not going to like this, it's the clown doll. Ah, ha, ha, bingo. I suspected as much. And the word I was looking for was conspicuous. I don't know what's wrong with me. We were talking about mercury toxicity uh, recently, and uh, there's something called mercury brain, and maybe I have that a little bit of that. Um, so, again, it's not just big pieces of heavy furniture. You go to the flea market, you bring home a chest of drawers, or you, you bring in a, you know, you buy a grand piano. Uh, it could be a, a little ring. I mean, it could be something you put away and you've forgotten about it. You don't even know you have it anymore. Uh, yes, and sometimes we've had to go through quite a process of elimination uh, to figure out uh, uh, an attached object in a haunting case. Sometimes it's rather obvious. You know, we we ask people, uh, you know, have you brought anything into the house uh, at about the time when the unusual activity started? And uh, if people are constantly acquiring things, they, they might not even be able to think of something. But sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. Uh, and um, a lot of personal items like clothing and jewelry, um, things that people wore in the hair, uh, shoes, uh, these acquire the uh, literally the personal vibrations of former owners. And in, in many cases, uh, these things are not going to bother anybody, you know, uh, because we, we acquire secondhand things all the time. Everybody does, and not well, everything's going to have a problem to it. Now but more than ever. Now more than ever. energy uh, that's literally imbued into the object that uh, it becomes uh, noticeable to the new owner, and uh, spirits uh, also will, uh, if they've been, like, attracted to a person, they could uh, lodge on a personal object, and then they remain with that object. And I was going to say that... Um... Now, with you have Craigslist down in the U.S., right? And Kijiji, yes, do. Kijiji. Now, I mean, there's a, a, an explosion. Nobody, no, you know, everyone's trying to be careful with their money. So now everyone's buying secondhand on Craigslist and Kijiji. Uh, so everyone, you know, and clothes, uh, secondhand clothing dealers. Um, you know, going up there. You, if you, if you, if you know your your labels and so forth, you can get great deals on on even vintage clothing and 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 uh, and so forth, really cheap at some of these secondhand places. Um, so, I mean, people are. I mean, is there? A, have you noticed sort of a correlation between the rise of places like Craigslist and Kijiji and these secondhand shops with with haunted objects? 
Well, we certainly have seen an increase in cases. And uh, in the case of uh, paranormal activity, it's often hard to ascertain how much of it might be just an increase in self-reporting because people are hearing more about these things and coming forward versus an actual increase. But I do think that um, there is an actual increase because of um, more people turning to secondhand uh, items. And um, we just had, um, my husband and I just had a case recently. We have a lot of secondhand things in the house. We love to go antiquing into the estate uh, shops and um, rarely have uh, a problem with anything. But we uh, recently acquired uh, a very nice mid-century Chinese liquor cabinet and uh, quite handsomely done with, uh, you know, the inlay and uh, it had two center drawers that had pulls on them, and the drawers opened from the center out. And uh, we have uh, spiffed it all up, polished it, stocked it up. And um, the next day when we got up, the two brass poles had been uh, turned upside down and inward and crossed over each other. Oh, boy. So Listen, tightly Ro- that Ro- we could not get them apart to get the doors open. All right, Rosemary, we'll, uh, we'll get to the... Uh the punchline of that story when we come back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal researcher, the website visionaryliving.com. Haunted Objects, back with more. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal investigator. Haunted by the Things You Love, question mark, uh, co-written by John Zappas, host of The Haunted Collector, which aired for three seasons on the Sci-Fi Channel. And we are talking about just that, haunted objects, possessed objects. Now, let's say, for example, Rosemary, that someone is having what they would characterize as a string of bad luck. Maybe somebody in the house gets ill and then they lose their job. I mean, how could that be related, or is it related, to a haunted or possessed object? You'd have to look for a syndrome of things going on. Um, Everybody has bad luck every now and then, and uh, it wouldn't necessarily be related to spirit activity. But if it's part of other things that uh, had uh, an onset at a certain time, it would be um, the activity in the house, shadow figures, a change in the atmosphere, uh, feelings of being watched, uh, perhaps nightmares, odd uh, shadows darting around. If if there's a syndrome of things that includes bad luck and perhaps some unusual mishaps, um, then we start to think about uh, spirit activity, spirit interference. And why would the the spirit or the demon? Uh, well, if it's a demon, obviously we would know why they would be would, would they they would be doing that. You know, they're they're trying to you know, wear us down and so forth. But is it, is it a malicious spirit that is deliberately trying to do that, or is it some other, some other result? I mean, why, why would a haunted object be causing someone to have, you know, um, ill fortune, losing a job, getting sick? It, it depends on the kind of spirit that is attached to something. And uh, a, a spirit might reside in a dormant state, Uh, for quite some time until they get into the right environment. You know, our consciousness interacts with things and the energy of place interacts with things. And sometimes that can really liberate something that's been asleep for uh, for quite a while. And uh, sometimes spirits are unhappy 
they, uh, the objects have been removed from uh, another location. Uh, they don't like the new location, and if they're energized enough, they can break, break free and start to act out. And uh, some of them do have ill intent toward people, uh, and they might have deliberately attached to objects as a way of uh, then latching onto an environment or another person. And when they're energized by a host environment or person, uh, then that enables them to interfere in whatever's going on in, in a person's life. And uh, there do seem to be quite a few spirits of malevolent intent that like to cause uh, mischief and upset and uh, discord and chaos. And why clown dolls? Uh, is it because they're just so popular and, and so beloved by certain people that that object is more likely to be attached well, to Well, dolls a in general are the number one. Uh, object, I think because they're substitutes for human beings, and clown dolls in particular, and a lot of it has to do with our phobias about clowns. In fact, so many people have a fear of clowns that it actually has a name. It's called coulrophobia, and it's fear of clowns. And uh, psychologists say that um, this may be because clowns are very exaggerated. They're kind of deformed in a way. You know, they have exaggerated features, mis- kind of sometimes misshapen or out-of-proportion bodies. They have leering sort of looks. And um, uh, it's very unsettling to a lot of people. Uh, and uh, a lot of people will react unconsciously uh, to clown dolls with that kind of apprehension. And even if a clown doll uh, has no particular spirit attachment to it, a lot of people don't even like to have them around. And uh, they, they are far and away, uh, in terms of the cases that John and I have done, far and away the number one uh, problem object when it comes to spirit attachments. Um, and uh, this sort of evil clown uh, idea that we have, this is a fairly new phenomenon. We can uh, look at uh, the Joker from Batman, which goes back to about the 1940s. Um, Stephen King really cemented it in the 1980s with It. Uh, and uh, John so Wayne Gacy. Hollywood has used, you know, the killer clown sort of thing as as a horror theme, and that really adds to our our natural fear of clowns. And not to go too far off on a tangent here, but uh, I have also read, and I'm not sure if it was from Dr. David Jacobs, but uh, alien abductees, uh, even before they discover uh, through hypnosis or regression that they have been abducted, often. This seems to be a common thread. A lot of abductees have what they perceive as this um, uh, irrational fear of clowns. Is there a connection between a fear of clowns and alien abductions? Well, there may well be, uh, because so many of these abduction experiences uh, have to be brought out under regression, and they're not conscious experiences. But it could very well be that um, and I'm speculating here because I've, I've read the same, uh, the same sorts of accounts, that um, if there are alien beings who, whose per, part of the purpose in the abduction is to instill fear in people as a way of uh, being able to manipulate them, uh, they might know that human beings have a natural phobia uh, about clowns and be able to shapeshift into that kind of guise. Uh, as a way of dis- both disguising themselves and also instilling fear in the victim. 
Now, your co-author on Haunted by the Things You Love, John Zaffis, again, the uh, haunted collector from the uh, the Sci-Fi Channel, um, he has a collection. Did you say 7,000 uh, objects in this museum? Well, several thousand. Several thousand. Uh, several, and it's it, his um, museum is just absolutely stuffed to the gills because John has been collecting for a little over 30 years now. Uh, a lot of times when we go out on cases, uh, people do not want the object anymore. They want it removed from the premises, and that will quite often take care of the problem, just getting it out of the house. They don't want it anymore, and uh, so um, John will take uh, take them and add to his collection. And uh, he's neutralized uh, uh, the objects before they go into the museum. Oh, I was going to ask whether he did. finds them, uh, you know, cleanses them with uh, light and energy, salt and prayer, uh, if the object has had a very bad spirit attachment to it, he will uh, uh, bind the spirit to the object or send, send it away, and, you know, neutralize the object. But even so, that museum has some strange activity in it, and uh, there are still some objects down there that will give people uh, a, a negative reaction when they're near them. They don't like the energy of the objects. I've had uh, very strange EVPs down there, uh, when John and I were were uh, working on the book, and like we're doing on the second book, um, I will go over to the museum, and, and we'll go around the museum and pick um, objects that have really good histories behind them. And uh, John will talk about the object, and I record it on a digital recorder. And I have had EVPs show up on my recording, you know, mystery voices uh, from that museum. So there's still residual activity. Uh, a friend of mine whose stage name is Vlad, I love this name, Vlad Eisengrim, and he, he runs um, the, the largest circus side show uh, and one of the longest running circus side shows in Canada. And he had, a, a, it was through a, government, a U.S. government auction, he acquired a ventriloquist dummy named Waldo uh, that was made by the same... Um, I'm not sure what you call the, the people that make these, I guess a puppet maker that made uh, a ventriloquist dummies for uh, Edgar Bergen. Uh, so, you know, Charlie McCarthy and, and Mortimer Snurd. And there is quite a story behind uh, Waldo. This, uh, he, he calls it the homicidal dummy. And it's changed hands a number of times. And uh, the, the first owner, uh, back in the vaudeville days, was found dead in his dressing room just before showtime, even though the door only uh, locked from the inside and there was no one else in the room. Uh, but they apparently, on this ventriloquist uh, um, artist, they found tiny little fist marks all over his body. He was beaten to death. It looked like a, by a small child. Uh, and then Waldo, you know, went on to another family, and there was a huge gas explosion. Everyone in the house died, seven people or something like that, and the only thing that was not destroyed was Waldo. Uh, so uh, ventriloquist dummies uh, creep a lot of people out. Um, does uh, John Zaffis have anything like that in his museum? Um, off the top of my head, I don't, <clears throat> I don't recall seeing any ventriloquist dummies there. We have lots and lots of dolls of varying kinds and, and sizes. And, um, but the thing about the, the ventriloquist dummy is here's an object that, uh, has literally been imbued with a personality and its own, its own spirit. It's, uh, got, uh, it's made to talk. Um, they, the dummies are given, you know, quirky personalities by the ventriloquist. 
And this makes for an ideal housing for a spirit to come in and occupy. Uh, and uh, so it doesn't surprise me that uh, dummies uh, would be problematic. And I'm, uh, having just watched the Twilight Zone marathon over uh, New Year's, I love it every year, uh, there are a couple of shows um, that Twilight Zone did where uh, the ventriloquist dummies um, start to take on their own uh, independent personality and sort of run amok. Of course. Then there was the great um, movie with Anthony Hopkins uh, called Magic, this was his first American film, I believe, back in the mid-70s with Burgess Meredith, who was often on Twilight Zone. Um, I mean, that's if you haven't seen that movie, that's just uh, that's an amazing... It's a thriller, but um, uh, he had a... Vlad Eisengrim had a psychic come to his uh, place, and without mentioning anything about the uh, what he calls the homicidal dummy, without mentioning anything about Waldo, the psychic went to the back of the room zeroed in on the um, the dummy and said, this dummy has killed, and was able to discover, uh, uh, using their psychic ability, that the dummy was fashioned, the wood came from a hangman's tree. So that may have had something to do with it, I'm guessing. Well, it certainly could, because um, any wood from the gallows uh, would have a long, and this is in folklore, a long folklore history of being cursed. Um, violent death would be associated with violent death, and a lot of spirits are attracted to the energy of that. It enables them to latch on. It's like a, a burst of an energetic opening that um, makes it possible for some of them to break through into this reality. And, um, you know, that's interesting what you brought up about wood, because we find the same thing with masks, wooden masks. And uh, many problems with mass. Well, mass in in tribal societies, the uh, original purpose of a mask is to house a spirit. Uh, that's what it's made for, right, and yeah. it is made from. Uh, in certain areas, we've got a case in Haunted uh, by the Things You Love, where we talk about a mask from the Ivory Coast region of Africa, where the masks were made from certain trees, and of course, uh, spirits live in trees, and so. Permission would be obtained from the spirit of the tree to take the wood to make the mask. And so the mask is fashioned to house the spirit. It's literally animated, and those are used in rituals then uh, to enable those spirits to participate in the ritual and come into the world of, of human beings. But the spirit resides in the mask. And so collectors go around and uh, they buy some of these masks. Many are made are just for the tourist trade, and so they're really inert, but uh, if someone would happen to get a real ritual mask uh, and then take it out of its native environment and uh, put it up on a wall as a decoration, well, the spirit in the mask is not going to be happy. And uh, that was the case in, in, the, in uh, the story we tell in the book where um, this mask from Africa uh, was acquired in an estate shop and uh, was put up on a wall. And then uh, the owner of the house, who was a doctor, did not believe in the paranormal or, or anything supernatural, started experiencing the, the syndrome of things that we've been talking about. And uh, at first she thought it was her. She was having a breakdown. She goes to doctors. They give her, um, you know, tranquilizers to take time off. Everything gets worse. Finally, she finds John, and um, the problem was, was taken care of. Um, but we need to take these things seriously. Spirits live in 
uh, certain objects by design, and then they can also um, attach themselves to objects. Have we learned nothing from the Brady Bunch who traveled to Hawaii on the series finale? In 1973, and Greg Brady purchased that cursed tiki doll. Uh, apparently, we have not. Anyway, Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, paranormal researcher. Her website, visionaryliving.com. We are talking about haunted objects. The book, Haunted by the Things You Love, co-author John Zappas, the haunted collector. We have to finish up with that haunted Chinese liquor cabinet. When we come back, we'll do just that. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I would love to hear from you if you've got what you believe is a haunted or possessed object. Uh, perhaps you recently brought something into your house, visited a flea market, garage sale, second-hand store, brought something on Craigslist, Kijiji, and... The moment you cross the threshold with that object, nothing has been the same. A string of bad luck, illness, uh, unemployment, financial problems, relationship problems, or just you know manifestations. Uh, years ago, I think I've told you the story, Rosemary, at another radio station, I was producing a talk show, and a, a couple contacted me. They had uh, a, um, a bench that had been carved out of wood, and it had uh, the back of it on the back. It was carved. It it looked to be like an image of Satan, but I think it was. I did a little research. It looked to be the uh, the Greek god Bacchus, which is the the god of wine. Uh, but the moment they bought they brought this into their house again, a string of bad luck, and they contacted me because they wanted to find out how to get rid of it. So they actually brought it into the studio, and uh, we had someone there to uh, to cleanse it and so forth. Uh, and we actually uh, we auctioned it off on the air. Um, but um, I don't know. That was a strange one because it was in the it was in the station overnight. They brought it in the night before, and I, nothing really bad happened. And I was kind of tempting fate. I guess at that time I was uh, a non-believer in the unseen world, and I was I um, I actually was sitting on it uh, during the day and saying, "See, nothing's going to happen." Um, but I'm wondering. I mean, when you bring something like that into your house. Uh, do you if 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 it's causing you problems, is it something that you can take care of yourself, or do you need a professional, someone like John Zaffis or yourself, uh, to remove uh, or to bind it, as uh, or can you just follow some instructions and uh, how, how is that done? Well, quite often you can take care of the problem yourself, and the simplest solution is to remove the object from your premises. Uh, and when people do that, even if they take it out to like a storage shed or even out into a garage, uh, they will notice an immediate improvement in uh, the phenomena and in the atmosphere of the home. And so um, some people will just get uh, get rid of an object. Uh, it's you know they'll throw it out, put it in the trash, uh, and um, who knows what happens to it after that. Uh, sometimes. The if there is a spirit attached to an object, and um, there may just be like residual energy too. For example, if someone has used something and let's say they were very depressed or uh, sad a lot and those feelings got imbued into an object, then uh, someone who's sensitive to that can, can pick up on that. Well, objects can be cleansed and uh, they can be neutralized, and the most common way to do that is uh, to... 
um, immerse it in sea salt for a while. Sea salt is a purification agent. Uh, you can also expose it to sunlight and sometimes putting in a dish of sea salt and then setting it out in the sun uh, and saying prayers over it with um, uh, light, you know, bringing white light in, uh, asking for uh, angels or God or other spiritual figures to um, to cleanse the object. Uh, sometimes that that will neutralize everything and it'll be fine. But in the case of a persistent um, energetic spirit, then you might have to call someone in, especially if the spirit has been able to leap from the object into the environment or to a person. And uh, those cases do get to be uh, a little more uh, difficult to deal with because uh, the spirit is now free of the object, and so getting rid of the object isn't going to solve the problem. Ah. The spirit is now attached to something else. Right. Then you're looking at what, like an exorcism? In some cases, yes. And um, we have some examples in Haunted by the Things You Love where um there uh, th- there was a case for example of a cursed object and a lot of these things happen over love triangles you know married couple husband has an affair the mistress gets jealous of the wife tries to curse the the marriage and and break up the household and uh, we have a case such a case in the book and uh, the cursed object carried a, a very malevolent uh, entity that was able to lodge in the house and it did require bringing uh, clerical people in to do a, a house exorcism and also to do exorcisms on the people. Um, these were not cases of full possession, you know, a la uh, the film The Exorcist, but uh, it was a, a cleansing of, of the person's energy field. And uh, that's the most extreme example. We also have a, another case in the book uh, about a ritual idol, and uh, it's uh, a teenager acquired it at a yard sale, just a, a really ugly, resin, demonic-looking head. And you know kids, they think things like that are cool. And uh, so he brought it into his house, and suddenly he uh, was interested in the occult, and he got occult books and started practicing magic. And uh, the short of it was there was something very malevolent attached to this uh, head, which... Uh, John determined, um, just from the nature of the case, had been used in some sort of magical rituals, and it attached to this uh, poor young man who literally uh, started going through the stages of possession. And he reached a point where he felt that this entity was trying to kill him. And uh, at that point, um, he uh, spilled it all out to his parents and uh, they had to bring religious help in, and he he underwent several exorcisms before he was free of this demonic entity. And um, uh, years have passed since that case. He's he's now uh, well into adulthood, but he still feels that he has to be on guard. To um, he never wants to do any rituals, get involved in the occult. He feels if he does, that it could possibly open the door to this entity coming back. See, you have to ask yourself, is it worth saving a few extra bucks by ordering something off of Craigslist or Kijiji or getting something secondhand? I'm being a little flippant, but that's my nature. Uh, we will come back. And I still, by gosh, I keep forgetting. We've got to get to the uh, the conclusion of that haunted Chinese liquor cabinet story. That's my fault. We'll do that when I promise this time for sure. Scouts on her. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. I'm back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. 
The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Say hi on Twitter at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett. Please follow Richard S-Y-R-E-T-T. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us, leading expert on the uh, paranormal. More than 60 books published and a new one coming out on haunted, haunted objects that she's working with uh, uh, with John Zaffis, former host of The Haunted Collector. If you're familiar with that show, ran for three seasons on the uh, Sci-Fi Channel. And um, uh, we have to get to the, uh, the Chinese liquor cabinet. So you and Joe um, purchased this... A uh, handsome liquor cabinet, brought it into the house, and the next morning, what happened again? Well, it had uh, it has two center doors with brass pulls on them that open from the center outward. And we got up the next morning, and these pulls had somehow been uh, flipped upside down and turned around and jammed together in an X form so tightly that we could not get them open. Uh, in order to open the cabinet. There was no way that uh, these things just could have flipped into that position by themselves. And when we went to bed, uh, the poles were in their normal position. Um, in fact, I could not even duplicate what had been done. Uh, when I finally got, got the thing undone, uh, and uh, our conclusion was that there was something attached to the cabinet that uh, was playing a joke on us. And uh, so uh, I, I did a cleansing of the cabinet, an ener- energy cleansing of the cabinet, and uh, uh, ordered the spirit away. Uh, and I think it was just kind of a pesky, playful little thing. And we, we haven't had any problems since then, so it didn't lodge in the house. Um, but rarely we um, have any difficulty. And, um, yeah, I think most of the time people are uh, safe buying secondhand things. Uh, the, clue, the clues are, you know, if, if you handle an object um, and it gives you a funny feeling or kind of an ominous feeling or it feels off in any way or even when you're around it or looking at it, pass it on by. In almost every case that we have in the book, People got the warning signs before they acquired the object. There was something strange about it. It seemed off to them, but they overrode um, those warning signs because there were other reasons why they felt they had to have it. So pay attention to how your body is responding to uh, something that you're interested in acquiring. Right. And what about um, articles of clothing? I mean, you can't... Well, I suppose you could soak those in salt water, but um, are they just? Are you just best to get rid of those? And and if you buy, if you're constantly bringing in clothes, I know, you know a lot of people do a lot of clothes shopping at secondhand places, get great deals. It'd be pretty hard to narrow it down to which article of clothing. So then, what do you do? Uh, well, clothing can be a little more difficult because um, if residual energy is is very strong and it gets embedded very deeply into the very fibers of uh, of a garment it it's a lot uh, more difficult to cleanse but you could put it through the same process of um, sprinkling it with salt uh, getting it blessed uh, leaving it out in the light washing it uh, and uh, also getting someone to come in to see if there's anything attached to it and then uh, being able to send that spirit away. And sometimes they, they will go fairly easily. Uh, they can be sent on. And other times um, it's more difficult to, to send them on. 
uh, or in problem cases, they literally have to be bound to the object, and then it's it's not usable. It just has to be contained. I, I, for, I forgot to give the punchline to the, uh, the 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 uh, the devil's bench story I mentioned earlier about this couple who brought this bench into the radio station where I worked, and they were concerned because they had there were apparitions and there were you know there was bad luck and ill health, and they wanted to get rid of it, and they used our help or the show that I was producing to help them do so. Uh, but it turned out they did some research and they found out that bench was made from old, uh, from wood, from an old coffin. Well, uh, anything like that um, is, is just asking for trouble. Uh, you know, a, a, tr- a wood from like a, an old gallows or a coffin or something that has involved tragedy and misfortune and, and especially violent death. Um, people have a morbid fascination with collecting souvenirs from, from disasters and tragedies. And um, oftentimes these objects can, can be very problematic. We uh, talk a little bit about some of the historic, famous historical cases. Um, the car that James Dean uh, had his fatal accident in, uh, had um, a legend for being cursed for a long time, even parts from the car uh, carried a bad energy. Um, one of the cases that we're putting uh, in uh, um, the new book uh, is twisted metal from uh, a fatal fire uh, that somebody thought was cool to collect as a souvenir from uh, a horrible tragedy, and um, it just came with all kinds of problems. And uh, so um, that's something to be mindful of as well. You know, what what's the source of something? And sometimes we don't know. Uh, but if something comes from um, a disaster, a misfortune, a tragedy, um, it's likely to have some some negative energy coming along with it. Let's. We've got about seven minutes here. Let's leave aside the haunted objects for a moment and and talk about something I, I mentioned at the top of the uh, the hour, and that has to do with uh, curses that don't necessarily come from a haunted object. I mean, someone may wish you ill and or harm, uh, and maybe they dabble in you know the black arts, or it could be a little less. Uh, deliberate, there is a thing in certain cultures called the evil eye, where simply even by paying you a compliment, if someone, I guess, has that vibe about them, simply wishing you a compliment uh, can cast, uh, maybe an, 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 um, it wasn't intentional, but it can cause bad luck. What are your thoughts on that, the evil eye? Do you believe in it? Uh, I do indeed. A, a curse and the evil eye... Uh, which is a form of a curse, is a projection of energy. It's malevolent energy that streams out and has the potential to affect another living thing, whether it's a person or an animal or a plant, a landscape. And it's a withering effect. Uh, and there's a lot of this negative energy that bounces around all the time. You know, people uh, every day harbor negative thoughts against other individuals. And most of the time this energy doesn't really have an impact, but in certain cases it does. And these people who have the natural evil eye, they have something in their energy field that projects this a negative energy that, that impacts others. There are other individuals who can become quite skilled at sending negative energy, with the, usually with the help of the spirit world. And, uh, you know, historically these are the uh, sorcerers, the, the witches, um, you know, uh, dark magicians and things like that. 
but any individual uh, can uh, set themselves to learn some of these techniques, and they do have the potential to uh, to impact people. It depends on how strong the energy is, how vulnerable the victim might be, um, and uh, they can cause uh, anything from minor problems to real serious problems. How do you protect yourself if uh, someone, and let's say you have a pretty good idea who it is, uh, and all of a sudden, again, you feel like you're under a curse, string of bad luck, ill health, financial problems, one thing after the other, and you've sort of, you know, there's no logical explanation or rational reason why all this is happening to you, and you think you might know who's responsible, then what do you do? Well, the best thing that you can do, if, if you've identified a probable source, is uh, to bolster yourself with uh, prayer and spiritual invocation to ask for spiritual help. Uh, and our natural boundary that protects us is the aura. It's the envelope of energy that surrounds everyone and is part of our vital life force. And uh, having a daily practice of prayer and meditation will automatically strengthen this energy field that acts literally as a shield against incoming negative energy. Uh, it will just slide off of it or, or bounce off of it. Uh, some people think that the way to handle these things is to send the bad energy back to uh, the sender. And uh, I think that that, personally, my opinion is that I think that just perpetuates a very bad cycle. Um, the energy uh, of curses can be broken uh, in a visual kind of way, in visualization. Uh, sometimes energy healers and uh, medical qigong practitioners and uh, people who deal in alternative energetic medicine can see in a person's aura where um, a weakness is or a rip or a tear or even something has been lodged in the aura. And that's often the way a curse is affected is to send something into a person's energy field and stick it, uh, make it stick in the energy field where it acts like an ongoing, um, you know, bomb of sorts. And I remember once we had a conversation about this, and uh, you mentioned uh, how you can bind that person, that evildoer or that person who's casting this curse against you, a spell. There's a way of binding that person. If you have like a photograph of them, do you remember that conversation? Yes, there uh, there are some uh, easy remedies that are very effective in many cases. And one is to take a photograph of the person that uh, you uh, know has uh, sent this, a curse to you, and um, you can um, put it in a bag of ice in the freezer, which freezes the energy. Uh, you can write on the photograph um, this, uh, you know, that this curse is broken. You can visualize the energy breaking. Uh, the photograph can be buried in the earth. It's symbolic ways of um, ending and grounding and uh, dissipating the, the energy. That will work in many cases. But if the sender is a very skilled person uh, and has employed um, high-level spirit help uh, to, um, to send the curse, uh, then, then you've got to get the help of somebody who's got similar know-how. And um, have you ever been targeted in such a way? Has someone placed a curse on you and you knew who that person was? Well, I did have a case uh, some years ago where uh, this was back when I was uh, researching one of my encyclopedias on witches and witchcraft, and 
Uh, I did have a, a case where I felt that uh, one of the individuals uh, in, who I had featured in the book had disapproved of some of the things I had said about a, uh, a favorite person of hers and uh, that she had atta- uh, attached a curse to an object that she gave me as a gift. And um, I started having, um, oh, strings of bad luck and mishaps and... Um, I wasn't seriously affected, but it got to the point where something obviously was was wrong. And uh, I thought about some of the angry words she had directed at me, and I thought, well, I wonder if there was something attached to this object. And so I, I had the object cleansed, and uh, I exposed it to the sunlight and the salt. Uh, and uh, And then I got rid of it, and everything cleared up after that. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the website visionaryliving.com, and uh, the release date for the new book that you're working on with John Zaffis about haunted objects. When might we expect that? In August, toward the end of August. Rosemary, always a delight. Stay well, and we will talk in one month's time. Thank you, Richard. Enjoyed the show. Thank you. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, again, visionaryliving.com. My thanks to Ian Robertson, as always, and uh, Albert Vinzel, of course, for his tireless work. Uh, Back next week with a brand new show, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, remote viewer, with his predictions for 2016. Earth changes, uh, the economy, geopolitics, the U.S. presidential race, and uh, all things closer to home as well. Also, Dr. Elena Gabor, past life regression therapist, will be here. In the meantime... Don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.